I'm Cameron Silsby, and this is the Van City Church Podcast. The following teaching is part four in the series, More of the Holy Spirit. Does God speak to individual people? The story of the early church reveals the Holy Spirit speaking directly to followers of Jesus. But for many of us, this is a foreign and even bizarre paradigm. How can we take seriously the idea of God's Spirit speaking directly to us? And can we know it's really Him? All right, my friends, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts is between the books of Genesis and Revelation, so if... I was wondering how many people would laugh at that, like three. It's all right. Actually, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Uh, between the books of uh, John and uh, Romans, Acts chapter 8. Uh, We are currently in a series called More of the Holy Spirit. So in the last few weeks, we've been doing the hard work uh, building out a biblical theology of the Holy Spirit, which means uh, we've been turning all over the scriptures together in order to understand what the Bible itself has to teach about the Spirit of God. So if you haven't been here, please go back and listen to the podcast, super helpful stuff. But to sum it up, uh, the working definition of the Holy Spirit we've been using is by Gordon Fee. It is God's empowering presence. As we've dived into the scriptures, we've seen that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. Um, And then from the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the power by which Jesus did his miracles. And then from last week, the Holy Spirit is the way in which God's personal presence has come to each one of us um, as followers of Jesus. Again, if you weren't here the last few weeks, go back and listen to the teachings. So uh, this Holy Spirit stuff, um, if you've been around for a while, uh, it's really nothing new here at Van City, at least not in a functional sense. Starting from the first Sunday, we've cultivated like response times to hear from God every single Sunday. Usually it's after the teaching, or it's the things that we share with you guys from pre-gathering prayer, or it's our prayer team who's always ready to listen to God's spirit you know, with humility on a person's behalf. And the belief that God's uh, spirit, uh, God speaks by his spirit is wired into our DNA as a church. But we're also aware that there's a spectrum of belief about this on any given Sunday. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk through hearing from God's spirit. We'll crack the scriptures open up. Uh, we'll crack the scriptures on this one, uh, but it'll be a lot more practical than kind of the heavy biblical theology we've been doing the last few weeks, okay? So, uh, you guys ready? Because we have a lot of ground to cover. So go ahead, look down with me at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go, uh, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. 
So Philip, this guy Philip, is a convert to Christianity. He was not one of the people who physically followed Jesus while Jesus was here on the earth, but as a convert, he's become one of the leaders of the growing church in Jerusalem. And in the narrative, he's been telling people about Jesus and healing people and casting out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he gets that direct message from an angel maybe physically present, or maybe it was through a vision, the text doesn't say, but he's given instructions on God, uh, on what God wants him to do next, and so he obeys. He goes out uh, on the road. Notice uh, verse 29, though, in particular. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Notice that God's Spirit said something to Philip. He wanted Philip to do something, what was that experience like? Um, you know, did the spirit like speak audibly? So if you were within earshot of Philip, you, you would have heard something? Or, you know, was it somehow like uh, personally and subjectively only to Philip? Okay, let's look at another story. Turn a handful of chapters over to the right to Acts chapter 13, and we'll just start reading in verse 1 together. Acts chapter 13. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, um, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, uh, who, had, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and think of something akin to our Wednesday night, uh, prayer night last Wednesday, uh, the Holy Spirit said, uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here we have the church in Antioch wanting to know who to send and, and support on a missionary journey to different cities in the Roman Empire. Scholars think that the four names mentioned are kind of the, the four potential candidates to be sent. And here the Holy Spirit speaks something specific. Set apart Barnabas and Saul. Specific instructions and the church obeys and then sends them off. What was that like? You know, did, did the Holy Spirit, like, uh, get on, like, a, a, an ancient microphone to say to the whole congrega congregation, like, set apart Paul and Barnabas? I don't know why he would speak loud, or I don't know, maybe he had a high-pitched voice. Who knows? But um, what it seems to be like is that uh, that's not the case. Uh, the text doesn't say that everyone heard at once. It seems to have come to certain people. One more story. Turn uh, to the right three more chapters to Acts chapter 16, and let's start reading in verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Saul, uh, who, who's now called Paul, and his com companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. So Paul is on another missionary adventure. He's going through pagan regions, proclaiming like the good news to people who are far from God. But interestingly, interestingly in verse 6, the Holy Spirit stops him and his companions from going to a particular region. They then attempt to enter a different region, and the Spirit forbids them again from going into that region as well. So what was that like? You know, uh, if you think about it, like mental picture in your mind's eye was like Paul walking down a path, and he tried to take a left turn, and he hit like an invisible wall, like a poor mime joke or something like that. Um, wow, three people laughed at that. I was expecting nothing. Thank you guys for humoring me. Um, what, what was that like? Um, it, so if God speaks by his spirit specific things, what does it sound like? And if he does, what are the implications for you and I? 
throughout the story of the scriptures, God speaks to people through angels, through dreams, through uh, trance-like visions, through an audible voice at times, and, and through mental images and feelings and words or phrases or even discourses. God is not silent. But for those in the West, particularly uh, Protestant Christians, our thinking is heavily influenced by something called the Reformation. So let me just have one minute to give you a helpful history lesson. And trust me, it is helpful. It's not just me, me nerding out. There's a reason I'm telling you this. Um, so about 500 years ago, the Catholic Church spit, uh, split, spit, oh my word. Uh, maybe there was some of that. They split over strong theological disagreements sprinkled with a good dose of politics and money. And we are the splinter group that, uh, of that called the Protestants. One of the many things that Protestant, Protestants split with uh, the Catholic Church over was the idea of theological authority. So the Catholic Church held that the traditions of the Catholic Church and the scriptures were equally authoritative. So what previous popes had declared was on the same level as the teachings of Jesus. The Protestants came back with the Latin phrase sola scriptura, or meaning that that means only scripture as supremely authoritative for the life of a follower of Jesus. But the Catholics weren't the only problem. The Protestants also had a PR nightmare as they tried to garner the necessary political support to survive. Uh, there were on the fringes of the movement apocalyptic death cults sprouting up and claiming to hear directly from God's spirit and wreaking havoc and death and destruction, but um, that's a different story for a different teaching. I'm sorry. It sounds interesting, I know. So in response, the Protestants uh, not only said, you know, sola scriptura, scripture only, but also exclusively relegated the Holy Spirit speaking through the scriptures, meaning you only heard from God's spirit from reading or hearing the scriptures read. This, had profoundly, uh, this has profoundly shaped the expectations of followers of Jesus to this day when it comes to hearing God's voice. Okay, history lesson over. Thank you for your patience. So, a very common paradigm today for hearing from God is still the idea that he only speaks to you during your morning devotional or, or a sermon or, or what, ha what have you. Whenever scripture is read or taught, that's when God speaks but really only during those moments. And I would agree almost completely with that. The Holy Spirit does speak to us through the scriptures. Paul wrote this to his protege, Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But the scriptures are also generic. And what I mean by this is that it doesn't necessarily tell you if you should date that particular person or not, or if you should change careers or not, or what degree you should pursue. You guys, you know, get the picture. You don't turn to Matthew chapter 18 and read, and Jesus said to his disciples, pursue a nursing degree instead of a philosophy degree, for truly I say to you, you will not get hired with a philosophy degree. Uh, and my sympathies to you if you've made that mistake already, you know that to be true. Uh, certainly, God is a good father. He absolutely cares about the particulars of your life and wants to speak into them. And it seems from the stories we read in Acts that, that he does, in fact, speak through the Holy Spirit in such a way that he communicates directly to us through our thoughts and our feelings for very particular situations. Go near that chariot 
set apart Barnabas and Saul. Don't go to those particular places. But this all raises a really practical and valid question. How do we know particular thoughts or feelings are from the Holy Spirit? It's a question that the New Testament in particular wrestles through within this newfound reality of the Holy Spirit in each individual follower of Jesus. Inevitably, there were abuses and people taking advantage of or pretending to hear from God for their own benefit, often what the New Testament refers to as false prophets. Uh, Paul has to tell this to the church in the city of Thessalonica. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt or cynicism, uh, but, tr- but test them all. The New Testament helps build a paradigm for seeing uh, if a thought or a feeling is from the Holy Spirit. So if you're uh, a note taker, this whole second half of the teaching is your dream. You are welcome. So here we go. There's, there's generally three main criteria to work through. The first criteria is if it lines up with the teachings of Scripture. The first and most important way to test whether something is from God's Spirit is by examining whether it's in line with those God-breathed or God-spirited scriptures. God will not contradict himself by giving you a quote-unquote special exception. So, for example, if if you're in worship and you feel like God is telling you that because of your, you know, special circumstances that he approves of you, like, uh, say, living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can pretty easily check that against the sexual ethic of the New Testament and reject that as not from God's Spirit. That's either your hormones or something else talking. Which leads to the second criteria we can use to see if a thought or a feeling is from the Holy Spirit, it, if it lines up with what we know of Jesus. One of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote this to a church. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is, how you can, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So there's two implications in this text, if you're kind of paying attention. The first is that there are multiple spirits that you can hear from. So that feeling uh, you have that God approves of you living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend could just be your hormones, you know, your your biology or your attraction giving you that feeling. Or it could be a different spirit, a, a spiritual being that is set against the way of Jesus and is seeking, in the words of Jesus, to kill, steal, and destroy. And if this sounds absolutely ridiculous to you, this is the worldview of the scriptures that it takes deadly serious. And we don't have time to dive into all of this, uh, but uh, lucky for you, we did do a series around a year ago uh, called Fighting the World, the Flesh and the Devil. It's up on the podcast, so you can go check it out on your own time. So in, in order to test the spirits, John commands followers of Jesus to see if the spirit acknowledges Jesus Christ or Jesus the King coming in the flesh, meaning Does it line up with Jesus' life and authority? If so, then it passes the second criteria. Third criteria is testing what you believe the Holy Spirit has communicated in the context of community. 
Paul and John weren't writing to individuals, but to groups of people. They were teaching them how to follow Jesus together. So part of hearing from God is developing habits of sharing what you think God is speaking to you with the people around you, you know, your friends or your Van City community or your spouse. You know, the people around us who care for us and who we're following Jesus with play a really valuable role of reinforcing and affirming what we've heard from the Spirit at times or offering pers- uh, perspective and correction. For instance, if I uh, came to Hannah and said, uh, my wife Hannah, uh, and I said, you know, I've been praying, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to quit my job and become a baker. Okay, well, none of that is I- inherently sinful. God bless bakers, uh, or against the teachings of Jesus, or anything like that. But Hannah could say, huh, that's kind of interesting. You know, wasn't it just last month you were saying how much you hate baking and you're really bad at it? And truth be told, I am. That, that's all true. I hate it and I'm bad at it. So Hannah knows me. She knows my story, knows how Jesus has been leading me over the years and can say, hmm, you know, that kind of actually sounds off. There seems to be some sort of disconnect here. But here's a very important point that I want you to understand. Uh, even with these three criteria, uh, you could still be wrong. It could still be something other than the Holy Spirit. Part of hearing from the Spirit is inherently the risk that you could be wrong. Certainly, uh, or certainty is, is rarely, if ever, involved with hearing from the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely differing levels of confidence from, you know, high to low, but, but always with a, a sense of humility and an awareness that you could be wrong. And that might strike some of you as inherently uh, wrong, you know, like if, if God were to speak, he would speak in such a way that I would surely understand. And on the surface, that, that, that idea seems to hold a lot of water, but really, let's be real with ourselves. We often suck at communicating with other humans that are right here face-to-face with us. You know, whether it's a friend or a coworker or a spouse, I mean, when I do premarital counseling uh, with couples, I always do a session of just going over the basics of communication because marriages actually fail because people don't understand the words that are being spoken to them and vice versa. Humans are really poor communicators. And even within the New Testament, there are examples of God communicating in a multitude of different ways. You know, why doesn't God just speak in an audible voice? Well, he has. John chapter 12, verse 29, God speaks in an audible voice, and the crowd is just like, whoa, did you hear the thunder? And some are like, no, no, no it wasn't thunder, it was just an angel talking. Obviously not very effective. Or Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 18, if you're thinking, well, an angel is very efficient, uh, what about sending angels to give us messages? Well... An angel visits uh, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, to say, hey, you're going to have a baby. And at first, John the Baptist, or not John the Baptist, Zechariah is freaked out, uh, but then is like, you know, actually, I don't know if this is true. You need to prove it to me. Okay, so an angel appears, and there's still doubt. Acts chapter 10, verses 19, uh, 9 through 17, uh, master apprentice Peter has this trance-like vision, and if you know it, it's like this thinly veiled metaphor. It's kind of straightforward, but the text says that Peter is sitting there greatly confused or, or he's puzzling over the meaning of the vision. And then the last one is uh, actually the, all four of the Gospels. It's Jesus. 
God came in the flesh and blood, talking and teaching and laying out a way of life. But don't forget that his own disciples were often baffled by him. I mean, it it seems like the majority of the time they struggled to understand him. So if you're frustrated with how the Holy Spirit speaks directly through thoughts or feelings, listen, God has tried a lot of different ways, and it seems like the problem is more us than the methodology. Uh, Remember, from the prior weeks, the fall happens, and God's tangible presence becomes the exception to the rule in the midst of our broken world. But perhaps, for us, we need to adjust our expectations. I think because of some of our Western cultural conditioning, we're often more focused on efficiency than God is. He's much more interested in relationships. And if you think about relationships, they are rarely characterized as efficient, at least if they're healthy and thriving. Relationships take time to grow and develop. There's ups and there's downs. I mean, definitely not efficient. And this is where we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. We need to think in terms of intimacy with the Spirit rather than learning to tap into some impersonal force. And because of that, there's ambiguity, there's risk, there's trust, and back and forth as we learn to listen to what the Spirit is saying and then to respond to it. And at some point, you just have to accept all of this and go for it. I remember back at the beginning of 2015, um, when I was first starting working through a theology of the Holy Spirit, and I realized that he actually like spoke through thoughts and feelings. And I had been at, like a high school pastor for a few years uh, before, and yet I had no paradigm for how God might actually speak. I remember I would like ask God a question, and then I would like flip open my Bible randomly and start reading to see if like the answer was in there. It's almost like a Christian version of a magic eight ball. You like ask God a a question, you shake the Bible, and then you open it, but make sure you do not open in Leviticus or else you're just going to get a bunch of like instructions about how to kill doves and sheep and stuff like that. So you get, you know, towards, towards the middle of it, maybe get a good Psalm or something like that. But, but that's, that was my paradigm for hearing from God. And so uh, I was starting to understand like this new paradigm, hearing from God's spirit directly. So when I first started learning this paradigm, uh, I was excited and and also uh, a little bit scared. I mean, what what would God say to to me? And I remember for uh, about a month straight, uh, I would come home from my job at a grocery store in the afternoons, and I would say hey to Hannah, and then I would just head straight upstairs to an unused uh, room that we had and just... I would just start asking God to speak. And I would write down whatever came to mind so that I could test it, you know, going through those three criteria. And I would be uh, up in my room doing that for like an hour plus at a time, just practicing and listening to hear God's voice. And in that month, I learned uh, the value of, you know, like uh, sharing what I thought I was hearing from the Spirit so that Hannah could keep me in check. Um, That was really important. It was... uh, honestly, one of the most incredible times of my apprenticeship to Jesus. Actually, I was actually getting to hear from his spirit about my life. And some of it was, was really specific. Uh, some of it was, you know, somewhat generic. And then some of it was pretty vague, and I just had to keep asking him to clarify what I was hearing. But there was an undeniable intimacy I was experiencing with the Holy Spirit that I had never experienced before. But there's more to this story, and we'll come back to it in a bit. 
So we're a church, uh, Man City, uh, that has a mixed group of people when it comes to hearing from the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of you have been doing it for years, way before Van City, and so this is nothing new to you. Uh, some of you have been, uh, have been growing in this over the past like three plus years, however long you've been at Van City, you know, learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so while this is nothing new, you're still you know, relatively fresh at it. Um, and then for some of you, what I'm saying is a completely new paradigm. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? This is the first time I've heard anything like that before. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. And for some of you, uh, this isn't a new concept, but for whatever reason or reasons, you've been hesitant or even resistant to try to hear from God's Spirit. Or, or maybe you tried it once or twice, but you're like, ah, this isn't really my thing. But if we're talking about intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit... This really can't be something that's just a take-it-or-leave-it kind of thing. If, theologically, this all adds up, and we certainly believe it does at Van City, then hearing directly from the Holy Spirit is part of what it means to apprentice after Jesus. Now, there is absolutely room for like growing into this or, or being in the process of kind of figuring out what you believe about all of this. In, in fact, people wrestling through this stuff isn't a drag to us. We're, we're really excited and, and glad that you're doing it. But at the end of the day, it really seems like the New Testament shows that followers of Jesus hear directly from the Spirit, and so we want to take that seriously. So let's talk about some reasons uh, we may not have heard from God's Spirit or are struggling to hear from God's Spirit. But let me clarify this before we get in. What, what I don't mean is that you've never heard from God. So if this whole paradigm is new to you, I, I'm not saying like God's never spoken to you. Um, you likely have heard from God, but maybe it was just reading through the scriptures or from a wise friend speaking encouragement over you, something like that. So if you follow Jesus, you've absolutely heard from God even if you didn't realize it. But what I do mean by this is that it, it, you have not heard directly and specifically from God's Spirit in a conscious way, as in like you thought to yourself, I think this is the Spirit saying something to me. So let me lay out some reasons you may not have heard or are struggling to hear from God's Spirit in this way. The first reason we may not directly hear from God's Spirit is that we simply haven't asked. This may be true of somebody who has no paradigm of hearing directly from the Holy Spirit, or this may, be someone, uh, this may be someone who does have a paradigm but isn't specifically asking to hear from him in a particular situation. There is something highly valuable in exercising trust and reliance and partnership with God by asking him to speak to us. Not asking may actually reveal a lack of maturity in those areas that we need to grow in. If uh, the first is that we don't ask, um, then the second would be that we don't take time to listen. Listening can be really hard and can take concerted focus and energy. You know, it's hearing what is said and what isn't said, and it's asking clarifying questions. This is most often because we're too busy or distracted to, to take some time to be quiet and, un, and unhurry ourselves to listen to the Holy Spirit. The latest, you know, Netflix show is at hand, or the text thread conversation that's blowing up, or the kids are running wild, or we're just too tired. And, and, and please don't think of this as, you know, God being petty and withholding himself from you because you won't pay attention to him. Instead, think of him as like a, a good father who wants to talk to you and spend quality time with you, and who says, come, sit next to me, and let's talk. 
Remember, he, he's much more interested in, grow, in growing and having a thriving relationship with you than efficiency. This, think in terms of intimacy, and intimacy takes time. So another thing that may hinder us from hearing directly from the Spirit is that we have an inaccurate or dysfunctional view of God. So if our concept of God is one of an angry father ready to berate and belittle us for our shortcomings, then that belief can actually hinder us from hearing from the Spirit. If God is untrustworthy in your mind, then what he may have to say would have little value or impact to you. Or we have an inaccurate or dysfunctional view of ourselves, you know, where we are undeserving of God's love or attention or time, we're insignificant to him, or we haven't properly earned the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to us because we haven't read the Bible every morning this week. For these two things, our view of God or ourselves, um, the indicator of something off here is often fear. Fear to, list, to sit and listen to God. What would he say to me? And since there's no, you know, hiding anything from God, you know, he sees the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly about you, uh, do you assume that he'd just be angry with you? Or disappointed? Or disgusted? Would it just confirm your fears about who he is or who you are? Maybe he's indifferent to you and won't say anything at all. Our view of God or ourselves is one of the reasons we actually have a prayer team uh, every Sunday. It can be really helpful to have somebody, you know, humbly listen to the Spirit on your behalf and then with sensitivity and love share what they think he's saying uh, when you're having a hard time hearing from him yourself. So another reason we may not hear uh, from the Spirit is that we don't understand what he's saying. You know, he may speak in a way that's surprising or unexpected or that's cryptic enough that the meaning is hard to understand. So it's questionable whether, you know, it's from the Spirit or not. Or our expectations aren't realistic. You know, we're waiting for that, like, trance-like vision with an audible trumpet blast from heaven to sound and then to have, like, a minimum of three people that we're close to randomly bring up the same idea in conversation over the course of no more than 24 hours. And then if that all happens, then it's definitely from the Spirit, maybe. Um, but I found a lot of times that, you know, the ambiguity of what the Spirit says can actually foster an ongoing dialogue with Him. Is that really you, Spirit? What, what does this mean? Who, who is this for? I remember early on in my month of uh, trying to hear from the Spirit, I had this bizarre picture come to my mind's eye, and I wasn't sure if it was from the Spirit, and, and it didn't make sense to me. But over a two-year period, I was reminded of it from time to time and talked to the Spirit about it. And, and more and more, I, I kind of just got this sinking feeling that he was speaking to me about struggling with anger. And at the time, I thought, like, man, that's ridiculous. I'm a really chill guy. What are you talking about? Must not be from the Spirit. I'm chill. <laughs> but after a couple of years uh, of the Spirit kind of, like, uh, pointing to this image that he had given me, I, I came to the realize realization through, through counseling and through this thing called the Enneagram, some helpful insights uh, from that, that, uh, you know, I do struggle with anger. I'd just gotten really good at suppressing it. Uh, or just kind of avoiding it, like pretending like it didn't exist. Okay, so maybe we do understand the Spirit, but we're just unwilling to accept His answer. So we keep asking the same question. 
You know, he's, he's already answered. And, and it seems like when we ask him, we just get crickets. Because really, he's sitting there being like, I already told you this one. You know what the answer is. I'm not that magic eight ball. You can't just get a different answer when you shake me. <laughs> and then this goes hand in hand with the last thing. We don't obey him. I said, uh, you know, I had more of that story from that month, uh, you know, uh, of me growing and hearing from God's Spirit. Well, that first month came, and it was awesome and exciting, and then I realized that the Spirit was starting me, uh, to, to ask me to do things. And, and some of the things were pretty straightforward and, and, and easy to accept, and then some of the things that were actually kind of outside my comfort zone. And around the end of that month, I started to kind of draw back from the Spirit and what he was asking me to do. And one thing in particular I remember he was asking me to do, and I remember it because it coincided with Hannah bringing it up too, um, was I, I just felt like he was encouraging me to go to counseling for some pretty uh, you know, intense childhood trauma stuff. And that was definitely, like, I wasn't stoked about that. That was outside of my comfort zone, you know, having to talk about and process through all of that stuff. And so I said, no. Well, actually, I told the Spirit and I told Hannah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I'll get to it, which essentially means never. I'm never going to do that. And out of this, I remember, like, a, a tangible tension when I listened to the Spirit. It was actually kind of hard to hear from him. The excitement waned on my end, and I stopped listening to the Spirit as much. Uh, you know, long story short, I ended up finally obeying the Spirit, going to counseling, and it turned out really well. It was a happy story. But my point is that when you hear from the Spirit, He'll ask you to do things, and He'll actually expect you to obey. There's certainly room for, like, learning and growing in this, and there's grace for failures and mistakes, but... Uh, to be clear, disobedience harms the intimacy that it takes to hear from the Spirit. So to end tonight, uh, let me talk about a few things that uh, you can do in order to kind of grow in hearing from the, from the Holy Spirit. The first is really the most simple. It's to ask Him to speak to you. This is kind of like step one for the person who has never, you know, tried to hear directly from the Spirit. And it's also applicable to people who have been doing it for years. You know, this is something I have to remind myself uh, about as well. You always need to be asking the Holy Spirit. Spirit, what do you have to say? The second is uh, to risk. Uh, the risk right now for you may be to actually believe that the Spirit is speaking to you. You know, you have to kind of risk the clunkiness and the awkward, awkwardness that everyone experiences as they start listening to the Spirit. Or you may have to risk uh, looking foolish to the people around you who would think, you know, this paradigm is bizarre or wrong. Or maybe uh, the risk for you is to obey what the Spirit is asking you to do. You've, you know, you've worked it through the three criteria of it lining up with Scripture, the life of Jesus, and it's affirmed by your community. Now it's time to do it. And finally, last thing, is, is just learning to do this in all moments of your day, wherever you're at. Learning to have your ear attuned to the Spirit moment by moment. If you continue growing in intimacy with the Spirit, you'll come to the place where it's a bit easier to kind of tell whether something is just in, whether something in your mind is, is just from you or is from the Spirit. And then you can more easily and confidently interact with the Spirit to speak into people's lives what you think that He would like you to say, or to ask Him to, you know, pray for healing, or just to be closer to Him, just a closer relationship with the Spirit.
you know, something the scriptures call keeping in the step with the spirit or abiding in the vine, intimacy with the spirit. So before we pray, I want to kind of circle back around to this idea of having um, fear when it comes to listening to the spirit. You know, what would he say about you? I think this is one of the most common hindrances hearing uh, people have hearing from the Spirit. And I, I know it's something I've had to work through multiple times over the last handful of years. But part of listening to the Spirit is trusting who he is, his, his character. Paul wrote this to the church in Rome about the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, that's you and me, by the way, uh, are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship that is equal standing in God's family for both men and women. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The character of the spirit who he is, is a person who calls and treats you in line with your true identity. You are a deeply loved son or daughter in God's family. And the Spirit confirms this in you and leads you to live this out in your lives. Thanks for listening to Van City Church. You can connect with us, find more teachings and resources from Van City at vancity.church. You can support Van City financially at vancity.church slash give.